Hello and welcome to From the Rooftops, a podcast about superheroes and the games they enable. Yes, welcome to Retro Superhero News. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No? In other news, <laughs> there is no other news. Yeah. No, I... We, we, we decided that it's time to just let, let all the things collide together at once, and so Clay and I are going to talk about superheroes and games, because I make games, and I play video games and write about video games, and uh, Clay... Has played a metric fuckton of superhero-based video games, I can tell you that off yeah. top. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and by the way, how broad a net are we casting for this? Like, for example, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... Uh, you know, th- those arcade cabinet games. Are they, you know, do they count in your mind? I mean, we can bring them up, but you know, again, I'm the guy who says Captain America isn't technically a superhero. So, you know, take that where you want it. <laughs> X-Men Children of the Atom, technically not a superhero game. Uh, well, yeah, but, but X, look, you're not going to get through this without hearing me talking about X-Men Legends. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Is that the one they shut down recently? No, no, that was a, that's a PS2 GameCube era X-Men, like, dungeon right. crawler type of thing. Alright, alright, right. Cause I mean, it's the best X-Men I, I know, game ever. I know they shut down an X-Men game recently, and if that I was, found that you'd been playing that, I'd be like, oh man, they did it to you again. They got you again! What's that, that Marvel, Sun Marvel MOBA they shut down recently, yeah? That's right. Did, did, did they put Ghost Rider in it first to make sure you were in? Oh, they already had, I didn't play it, but they had Blade and everybody in there. Oh man. Of course, they, it was a MOBA, and it's based off of a major character-based franchise. Of course they've got everybody in 15 different costume styles. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Alright, so, uh, nat- naturally, my particular, uh, sphere of, like, commentary is biased towards tabletop games, not because I haven't played a lot of video games, but just because of the two of us, I'm probably the one who's more in a position to talk about that stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, so with that in mind, hey Clay, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's what's your uh, what's your mental rubric for dealing with this kind of stuff? How, how do you think of superhero video games? Uh, well, my first off is how well it represents the like the what is obviously what it's trying to go for. Is it just structurally a good game? Because it's lots of good games based on superheroes that are like all right, which may or may not be a good representation of the character, which is a big thing, right? Does this give you the experience you're trying to go for, right? How does the flying or the running or the fighting or the whatever feel? And then there's, mm. like, what side of that experience you're going for? Because there's the experience of, say, watching it, where if you play it and you're like, oh, this is just like reading the comics. And then there's this sort of, like, simulation-based experience of this is what it would be like to be that character, you know? Or to be have yeah. those abilities. Eh. And it, like, further, like, the watching experience, you could, like, double down on certain genre conventions in video games but for like the simulation experience you're gonna have to make more of a hybrid experience because you're gonna have to do multiple things you know a batman game is gonna have stealth and action and some kind of puzzle solving you know hopefully smoothly integrated and probably you know platforming and vehicle you know gameplay whereas like just a raw batman stealth game maybe could be a good stealth experience by itself or like yeah. the Telltale games, which are yeah. So when it comes to when when it comes to uh, video games, especially, there is a, a a kind of two different dials you're turning at once, which is one one of which is like the quality of the game itself, and the other is the evocation of the feel of the hero it's t- it's supposedly about. 
right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for an example that's very far in one, di- far in one direction on both dials, uh, Superman 64, it doesn't really do a lot of about being Superman, and it's also not a good game. Yeah. And I guess, uh, well, you can look at, let's say, uh, Spider-Man, the movie, the game, the sequel, you know, Spider-Man 2. <laughs> yeah. Which does a lot of great things. And, you know, things that haven't, some of those things have gone away that I would love to see come back. I liked the way it used, like, applied Spider-Sense, where you had a standing dodge button, and you could dodge bullets whenever the Spider-Sense flashed. A lot of games tend to use Spider-Sense as, like, the framing device for their Z-targeting system, which isn't unreasonable, yeah. you know? It, it does miss out on some of the feel, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a fun, there's a fantastic, but also bad, Spider-Man, like, open-world experience called Web of Shadows. And mm. I encourage people to play it just for the combat because, and that's the thing too, right? If you, if you go really hard on like the accuracy slash simulation dial, you're going to do stuff that would not work for anything else. And the combat in that game is, that cannot be anyone else's combat unless they were just, you know, arachnoboid, that kind of thing. It's the most yeah. Spider-Man, like, cause there's lots of Spider-Man action games that are, Similar to other games and stuff like that, that combat is extremely Spider-Man. There's a button that's basically do whatever a spider can button. And it has its own system attached to it. You press that button and then your, like, options are spread out before you like a, a whole game unto itself. It's amazing. The rest of the game's kind of shitty. I seem to remember the conversation came up, and it might have even been with you, when I first played Arkham Asylum, where someone said it's a really great Spider-Man game. No, I remember this, because I said it was a really great Daredevil game. That's right, yeah. Because if you play Arkham City with Nightwing, you turn your tech division on, and you leave it on, you're playing fucking Daredevil. That's a Daredevil sees yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the gameplay, the, the, he's fucking Nightwing, so he has the Escrima and he throws the, you know, everything he's doing is Daredevil shit in the combat, you know? And he's not doing anything Batman can't do in the normal game. So Batman yeah. is out there being Daredevil, you know? Yeah. It's like a mechanic. Now, don't get me wrong, in, in Batman's universe, he basically is the DC's Daredevil. This is where the thing like I feel like there should be meaningful differences because Daredevil has actual superpowers. That's the thing too. Like Detective Vision, like the things that bug me about the Arkham games are like those like breaks that are made for gameplay because they couldn't find ways yeah. like Detective Vision is a shorthand for an actual detective it's a hint game. It's, it's, it's a hint also- system that's called itself Detective Vision because it wants to be like, oh, Batman is so good at solving crimes that he could just look at a scene and he knows what's important and what's really there. It's like, that's not what, that's not what you fucking represent. Right. What you've represented is fucking x-ray vision. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's a, he has one of Superman's actual superpowers. There was a Wolverine game that had a similar thing going on. That's like, hold on. Now this device, Batman doesn't have great detective skills anymore. He has a really good, detective device that does his work for him, you know? What, Tim? <laughs> no, Oracle. Remember, she's one of his superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 you know, that, that one really is a choose your own adventure of who you want to dunk on at that point, because, I mean, you can go Oracle, you can go Tim, you can go Jason if you want to be really, really shady. I'm just yeah. saying, you know, we, we, we had directions, we can mix it up. 
but no, just like that, because the solution to that is to create an entire system, an entire, like, you know, gameplay mode that lets you do detective stuff. And like the Telltale games have a bit of that because that's all they have, right? You have to walk around yeah. and draw connections. And he has a bit of detective vision, but it's not the same, right? It's basically just yeah. like a black light and he waves it over things, you know? Yeah. Well, the fun, the fundamental problem there is that like, if you were going to make Arkham City, uh, Arkham Asylum, specifically the first one, into a comic, it's not really a comic about a time Batman was being a detective. Stories can do lots of different stuff. And because this video game wants to try and service all the- It wants to service all the Batman it can. Uh, because of that, it, it winds up this really unsatisfying- Like, most of that game is really good. But the everything in it is a slightly crapper version of what it could be if it had been the focus. Mm-hmm. The combat is really, really good if you want flowy, button-mashy combat. It's not actually, like, combat that represents being good at martial arts. It's it's combat that represents having martial arts be easy, if that's, like, a meaningful difference to you. and like, I, I hope that's not talking gibberish. I, I get you. And the other thing that gets me about that is, like, when gameplay stuff, when video game stuff is there because it's a video game. So, like, why is Batman building up meter- to do his super. Yeah, that's not his thing. Not, not even that. What, con- like, okay, let's put that exact same concept on a different character. Let's put Arkham gameplay, entirely the same, on Wolverine. What what Wolverine concept does his meter building up to do supers represent? Anger. Berserker rage. He builds up his meter, he gets so angry, he goes berserker mode. That's a thing Wolverine does it all the time. You put it on the flash. What is it? Momentum, speed, speed force. What? core Batman. The Hulk. A Hulk ultimate destruction. He had super. He built up meter. He's the fucking Hulk. In fact, the best thing about that was, his super meter was also his life bar. Oh, so, good idea. So, the anger he gets, the more he can survive. Right? And you beat him up. He's less angry because he's in, it's a it's a big thing, but you build it up and you could do big, you know, Hulk moves. Thunderclaps and giant headbutts that destroy the, you know, yeah. stuff. What, what thing is Batman building up to spend when he does now? Now let me let me just as game let, do it, d- game design devil's advocate here. All right, Batman. There is a Batman who does have a meter. Mm-hmm. All right, in that he just keeps fighting and fighting and fighting, and then something happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Except it's 1960s Batman. Go it's Adam on. West because because in in his. So in, so in the fight scenes with Adam West's Batman, what happens is it's all very generic swing around, punch the same guy. People don't actually get hit and go down. If you, if you watch those fight scenes again, like it's the same three or four extras doing pratfalls over and over and over again. And then when they defeated a bunch of them are usually like lying around. It, it, the thing is those fights are you fight until the fight is over. And I know that that's, like, me pointing out a practicality of making a TV series rather than necessarily, like, what the story is trying to tell you about the way Batman fights. But it also has the side effect of making Adam West Batman a lot like a pub brawler. <laughs> like, he's not there putting people out and knocking them unconscious with a single hit. He's punching someone until such time as they don't want to get punched again. <laughs> like, that's that's how a lot of fights actually end. It's... <laughs> 
<laughs> but of course, it's hard to do that with the raised stakes of there's an actual fucking bomb that's going to blow up the city kind of thing. Yeah. But even like, like the stealth in those Batman games are fantastic. I think that's a great yep. representation of how he does things, right? Like I yep. can nitpick. I can be like, oh, well, I would like there to be an actual like light system so he can hide in darkness, but whatever. You're like, it's the most Batman shit ever. He's up, he swoops down, and he gets you. That's, he's literally acting like a bat. And, and, and people get crucially, scared. when mm-hmm. he loses people, yeah, yeah, when he loses, when people lose track of him, it's not like in a lot of stealth games where it's like, oh, I guess it was a rat, I'll forget I ever heard that noise. It's like, no, they are, they know you're there, and they are fucking scared, because mm-hmm. that's what Batman's meant to do, because criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. Right, and he breaks people, he, he isolates you mechanically, you're supposed to isolate people and take them down, right? So... You know, you're breaking the whole group apart piece by piece. And, like, that's the disc- discrepancy here, because that's not the combat. The combat is walk in a room, punch everybody once, repeat, until they're all down. You know? Yeah. Like, just and in that circuit. regard, you are right. That's such a daredevil combat system. Right. But, like, I would love a combat system that relied on the, like, showmanship and the mystery more. Where you feel like you're Batman and you're isolating people with gadgetry and bullshit while in a fight, in an active fight, and then you know, breaking him down and then moving on to the next one who is now terrified of you because of what he just saw you do and next to next By to the next. way, friends and fans of the show, Gadgetries and Bullshit is in fact the name of Clay's one-man Batman exposition review. Yeah. <laughs> it's my YouTube channel. Make yeah, he, he, <laughs> he, he, goes, he goes over every single uh, 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 appearance of Batman in any non-Batman media and explains how it's all gadgets and bullshit. It's all, it's all fucking smoke and mirrors, man. Yeah, that, that, that cryptid in the middle of North Carolina, it's Batman. <laughs> anyway, but, this got away from me. This joke got away from me. Quick, yeah, abort, like, abort. You can have the experience, like, again, like, uh, there's a good, like, Wolverine character action game I haven't touched, but looks fantastic. It's based off of the Origins movie, and- Really? Yeah. Really? But, I mean, it's- We're like doing a, this? I haven't played it, but it's like a platinum style character action game. And what? Yo, think it's about tie-in to the. It, yeah, I know. It's a tie-in to the fucking Origins movie. Spider-Man, it's not allowed to be good. Spider-Man Two the movie, the game was a tie-in, and it was one of the best Spider-Man games ever made because that guy came in like on his off hours and made the swinging system himself. Uh, yeah, but I'd also point out that means that it is by some way directly connected to the work of Sam Raimi, and I, I reasonably, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying Sam Raimi can do no wrong, but. I know he didn't, he did Spider-Man. Anyway, so, (laughs) the point is, this Wolverine game is actually kind of good. Yeah. Weird. The the other solo Wolverine game I played was, uh, for some reason the branding was attached to X-Men movies, but the actual game wasn't. It was. Sorry, I thought you, I thought you were saying that. That, that branding, um, <laughs> sorry, I thought you was going like, yeah, this is like the, the branding you see in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. I'm like, oh, that's where they got the idea from. Oh no, that, that checks out as a thing Wolverine would do. No, oh, it was, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> but no, like, they put Hugh Jackman's face on the cover and it has nothing, you can find a Hugh Jackman costume. Yeah. Interesting thing, Wolverine is voiced by Mark Hamill in that game, and that's the best Wolverine voice you've ever heard. Yeah, Mark Hamill's pretty good at voice acting, though. Yeah. Like, but it's kind of. I'm, like I'm, a- I'm not saying you're wrong for like pointing out that he's that that's the best one. I'm just saying like 
Mark Hamill can do a lot of things really well. Yeah. But, like, Stephen Bloom uh, does Wolverine in most things these days. And I'm like, mm, but you could be Mark Hamill. Yeah. Well, it's it's like in um in Young Justice, they get Brent Spiner, uh, a.k.a. Data, from um from Star Trek to do the voice of the Joker. And it is- it's not just that it's a bad Joker- because, like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. It, it's the Joker. It's it's not a character I'm that attached to anyway. But, of course, the enduring memory will always be um, Mark Hamill's Joker. And hearing a really good voice actor who you know can act well doing a really, aw- really you know, just bad job of a really well-known character is really disorienting. It, you know, it's just been, he's, it's hard to separate, you know. Mark Hamill and, you know, Kevin Conroy from those roles anymore. Yeah, yeah, really, you know, Kevin Conroy, Kevin Conroy's voice does a lot more to make Batman Batman than I think people appreciate. And we're going to do an episode on voice acting, apparently, so that'll happen. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, But no, There's there's your teaser. The, in that game, it's like a stealth action combo. And you have the ability to, you know, turn on his senses and, like, track things. And a lot of times you'll track characters. You can see the paths of people you're going to stealth kill. You can um, see traps, you know, if there's mines in the ground. I don't know how being able to smell really well helps you see the mines um, or whatever. Traps usually contain an explosive component, most commonly uh, one of three or four derivatives, which includes the compound nitroglycerin. And if you've never smelled nitroglycerin, you're lucky. You're good. Okay, we'll roll with that. The thing is... That game included every single part of what Wolverine can do. Now, a lot of them weren't done very well. The combat was pretty cool. You know, at- Are you saying it used every part of the Wolverine? Every part. Every- <laughs> you know what? You know what? If that ain't a good philosophy, I ain't heard one. That's actually what that's- <laughs> Yeah. Like, straight up. And it has the bonus of being vaguely stealing from a Native American, which is also very true for what Wolverine's all about. Yo, yo, you want to talk about Ninja Turtles. So, the Platinum Ninja Turtles game came out, right? And it was- Yeah, to a resounding cry of, huh? Yeah, right? And I can, like, it's really, it just feels like it needed time. It needed to be polished out. But there are some great ideas in that game that are like, well, no, this is, can only be a Ninja Turtle game. Like, there's a lot of Ninja, there's a lot of Turtle. Like, yeah, the the defensive mechanism, like the whole blocking system is really interesting. And if they had just taken another pass at it. It would have been great because here's what happens. The whole block, the turtle goes into their shell mm-hmm. and they spin around. I don't know why. This is holding block and you can kind of move around while you're doing this. And if you do it too long, they get dizzy and they become open to attacks. Right. But if you tap block like during certain times, like if you tap block right beside somebody hits you, like, vanish and come behind them, like a ninja. Uh, if you tap it oh, and nice. move, move a direction, they just do, like, a dodge w- roll, right? And if you hold it and then let it go right before someone attacks, they become stunned and you can counter them. Like, that system makes no sense for anybody else, because who else goes into their shells and spin, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that doesn't work for anything else. That's a very ninja thing, and there's lots of, like, wall crawl, it's very, like, mobile. You can run super fast and jump up walls, and you can, like, glide with, like, a little ninja parachute. Like, have you ever seen those type of things? Um, yeah, yeah. Grind oh, on please, rails. I've seen Naruto. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So, a lot of ninja, a lot of turtle. Combat, alright, but everything's just kind of janky. But, yeah, like, compared to a lot of the old, like, 
side-scrolling beat-em-ups, or even like the 3D era ones. They're just kind of beat-em-ups. There's not a lot of specific turtleness in that gameplay, right? Yeah. In fact, if you look back on, on, uh, the, a lot, a lot of the classic, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, don't you like how I somehow managed to turn three words into one word there? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games. A lot of them commit what I consider to be pretty dire sins when it comes to representing character in gameplay. Mm. Like, the NES classic one is so full of, of just like, even if you think about it for a few minutes kind of problems, like, why is it that you go through the turtles one at a time? Why is it when one turtle dies, the next turtle steps up to take his place? Yeah, they should always be, like, again, the Platinum one does this. You are always playing all four turtles at once. The interface of that is really fucky, so it's not very good, but it's a, it's a, it's a game about a group of people. You always play the group, which is why X-Men Legends is so great. Because that is a game where you have to pick four X-Men to do missions every single time. There's a couple of solo missions where, like, you'd basically flashbacking to someone's backstory. Okay, there's one where you get to experience yep. Wolverine leaving Weapon X. But it's a four-character... Oh, how, a- how else would we know what happens there? That's good. What what a brilliant idea bringing <laughs> forward that unthought-of, unheard-of segment stop, of story stop, fucking stop. <laughs> It's cool because the whole point, the whole like crux of crumble, it, it's, crumble, like, crumble. it's like a, it's like a sort of isometric like brawler action sort of thing, like RPG. And you play a new mutant who is brought to the Xavier Institute. So in between missions, you're walking around as that mutant and talking to the X-Men and you can go up to them and say, Hey, how'd you get like that? And they'll talk and give you some stuff and you might get some XP or boom, you might get hit with a flashback and something you're playing the game. And, That's pretty cool. Yeah, and then you get to go train in the danger room as that character and level them up, and then they get to actually go on missions. It's yeah. the most, like, the structure of it is the most X-Men thing ever, because you're hanging out in the uh Xavier Institute, and then, you know, you do some things, you train a lot, and then you get the, you know, the alert. Uh, You know, to me, my X-Men, and then you get sent off on a mission to fight Sentinels. And... It's very teamwork-centered. Like, you can do fastball specials, you can combine moves to do things, and even better, everybody's powers have, like, specific interactions with the environment, which means it's they're not just different colored lasers they're shooting. You know, Iceman can yeah. make bridges over, like, downed areas, and he can put out fires. Storm can put out fires with wind, and she can weld things shut with lightning. You know, all these little specifics. Uh The Lego games are good at that. Like, the Lego superhero games, where... You can't just you know, have their own little mm-hmm. active move sets, but a lot of the gameplay boils down to your powers can interact with the environment in X way. So you know, and it, a lot of it is just really simple puzzles of getting the right character to the right place to get. Essentially, you know, each character is a key that can interact with X and Y way. Yeah. So you know, get the Hulk here to lift a heavy thing. Get Cyclops there to shoot that thing. Get you know that kind of shit, and it's. Really mm. simple. There's, there is a, you're, you're touching on, especially when you're talking about this PS2 era stuff, you are touching on kind of like a genre of tie-in that we got a lot of, and most of them were kind of bad, but a lot of them were actually pretty good. Um, I believe that Chris Franklin has described them as punch a bad guy, get a power up kind of thing. Get kind of games. So they, like, they're not, they're not soaking in metaphor of their mechanics and they're usually retreading a plot you absolutely already know. But, you know, they're a, they're a thing. They're a genre. And they're a known factor. 
Um, <laughs> and like, there were a lot of those games. Uh, and that's why I was, I was kind of fascinated to check out, uh, what's basically all of them at once, which is Disney Infinity. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. Which is kind of, you know, Thor and it's kind of the tie-in game for the Thor movie and a tie-in game for the, uh, Iron Man movies. And it's a tie-in game for like, it's, it's a really interesting kind of, uh, a pile of games. And unfortunately yeah. it does also feature just a, just a bunch of, you know, pirates, of the Caribbean nonsense, but it's still, there's like a really robust little superhero game mixed in amongst all that. Oh yeah. And I got to, my, my laptop can only play like half of those games. <laughs> Yeah, but like I got to run around the city as all these characters and do a little bit of stuff here and there, and that's cool. But there is that thing of your powers are kind of, and I didn't. By the way, thank you. He, he bought that from you guys, just like on a whim one time. Um, I did not expect to be as much like game in that game as it ended up. Yeah, being. like I didn't. Expect, yeah, I didn't expect upgrade trees and like or cutscenes and experience points, but. What, was, were you expecting the toolkit? Did you get to the toy kit? Oh, of course. You to- I knew you told me about that. I, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my bad. Again, I kind of fussed around with that, but my laptop isn't powerful enough to do all of that, you know? Yeah. So and, I've- of course, they never implemented a way to share it, so if I make anything cool with that, I can't really give it to you. No, you got YouTube. You can do that. Yeah. I'm well, I, the same thing. I am retroactively unsurprised to discover that I haven't watched it yet, but I'm sure it's out there. It's a YouTube channel where that's all I do. Like Minecraft channels, but for that, there's got to oh, be Oh, right? that'd be great. I, there's got to, surely, surely some enterprising soul has done that. Yeah. Just, just like, I'm going to test Disney every single Infinity. different fan game I can find made using Disney Infinity. Mm-hmm. That, surely, surely the market. But where, again, that one little discrepancy with those Disney Infinity games is there's not a lot of... In City Heroes, I used to, I kind of slowly developed this idea I call like the four move rule, which basically says like you yep. don't have a superpower until you can do four things with that superpower. Yeah, because like okay, like as an example that you're very familiar with, let's say you're gonna lock a character in a brick like square, like a brick cube, and yep. all of them are gonna have to get out of that way, and then each of them will get out in a different way, and you know what you do is important. It's how you do it. We've said this before, but. A lot of yeah. characters will get out of that brick in the same way, despite not having the same powers. Luke Cage will punch through the wall. Superman will punch through the wall. The Hulk, the Thing, the Colossus, Juggernaut will punch through the wall. Iron Fist yep. will punch through the wall. Yep. But one of these things is not like the other, right? Mm-hmm. That's why, like, in City Heroes, when I give somebody, like, if I said this character may not be a melee archetype, but they're still capable of fighting, I would go and take all of fighting. And one, like, yeah, and one travel power that, you know, had a melee attack. So he said, see, he can fight. He can do two normal attacks and two special ones. That's four moves. That represents fighting. Now, if I wanted to add anything else to that character, I was out of luck, you know? If I wanted to say, yeah, yeah there but are- that's the thing. That also, that also kind of created in you a sense of, like, costs. It wasn't just a matter of, like, this character is good at these things because I want them to be good at all these things. It's like you had to think in terms of being good at fighting is going to cost this character opportunities and I need to be able to, I need to be prepared for that when I do the design. Hmm. Uh, and I, I liked that. I really liked that as a, as an unconscious bit of design in City of Heroes. And yeah, again, we're going to talk about City of Heroes because City of Heroes was great. Um, even if, even if poor Clay never got to play with his blaster upgrades. I could, I got to a point where I was actually good with my shitty fighting powers. Right? They used to just yeah. be a dumb parlor trick. 
Then it got legit. I was running missions in the fucking beta, just fucking yep. boxing, kick, and cross punch, and jump kick. Cross punch. Ah, uh, that was what it was called. Yeah, it was like cross jump or something like that, where they were like, yeah, what if- what if you had a move that got better if you had other fighting moves? Like, you know, a finishing move of some variety, and everyone who's ever played any other fight game is like, yes! Yes! Yeah, like, like, okay, let's say a guy comes up to you, right? He says, I have super strength. You go, okay, prove it. And he lifts the car up over his head. I'm like, well, cool. Can you throw that? And he goes, no. Uh, can you <laughs> rip it apart? And he goes, no. Like, can you take the door off? No. Uh, what can you do? And he, like, takes his hand out from under it and it stays up in the air. The fuck, right? <laughs> At a certain point, you're being lied to. You know, no, but he, he, there's something else going on there. And, like, mechanically, you want to have, like, multiple ways that your powers interact with the universe. Again, the Lego games do that, where, you know, you have the specifics of your attacks, but they also do things. But it can also get weird. For, like, example, Lego Batman 2, Aquaman can drown <laughs> of course he can because the game doesn't have Aquaman broaching new ways to have no thought put into him no because everybody drowns right because like it's a big open environment it's like an open world game you go do missions in and in the missions there are sunken areas that characters like Aquaman can swim through but in the open world water is a no-go area so Aquaman jumps in the water and dies because <laughs> This is reminding me of Assassin's Creed, where Altair, one of the most athletic assassins in the world, uh, d- you know, vaporizes in contact with water. Like, he's made of tissue paper or Rice Krispies or something. Yeah, I mean, I think about that, right? You have a game like that where the, the character should reasonably be able to interact with, like, like, okay, we have the, uh, that was the original version of the whole social stealth idea, right? Where you would be able to blend in with dudes who looked exactly like you. And the idea was, okay, you have a skill... Or blending in, and you can also blend in with two randos while sitting on a bench. Yeah, but, but there's fifty. There's a crowd of ten people right there, and you can't blend in there. And you know, you get that in Assassin's Creed Two, and Assassin's Creed Two Two, and Assassin's Creed Two Two Two. But mm-hmm. like, that's a concept where it's like my abilities don't extend to a reasonable assumption of where they would go. You know, if I can hide in a crowd of guys who look kind of like me or in a pair of guys who look nothing like me, I should be able to hide in 20 people who all look different, right? Yeah. So, uh, one one of the, I say interesting, but um, to, to talk briefly about a game, like, we, we brought up City of Heroes, a game that unfortunately uh, is no more. But to bring up a, a, another similar thing of a game that never was, uh, have you ever heard of um, XCOM? Uh, Enemy Unknown. I've, yeah, I've heard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Played about Critically- Critically acclaimed tactical um, strategy turn-based game, right? Mm. The development crew that made that game were building on an earlier spec of a game that was originally going to come out uh, as the follow-up to a game called XCOM Apocalypse. Now, XCOM Apocalypse was like the the meant to be the last of the XCOM games in the old franchise, and they were going to move on. And what they were going to move on to was a superhero game, mm. a turn-based squad uh superhero game modeled on stuff from freedom phalanx um is it freedom phalanx freedom the 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 um freedom force yes freedom force is basically they were going to make a game that was xcom level of game 
Uh, but instead of dealing with, like, soldiers who you customized and guns, you were dealing with superheroes and the things you unlocked by being a superhero. So, you know, you would actually develop a different nemesis and they would give you different stuff going on. And that was the kind of thing you would get as an upgrade of like, oh, no, I've been exposed to Dr. Insano's terrible rays or something like that. You know, what's interesting is Freedom Force is one of those games that I remember really, like, fondly. And it also helped develop a lot of these ideas because that's where the whole four move rule came from. Because I get a character, like, yeah. I think it was El Diablo. And El Diablo had, like, I want to say, like, two or three shoot fire powers. And I was like, well, hold on. Dude. Yeah. So you have this one throw fireball ability. And you have this other, like, jet. Like... And you can fly. There should be more to you if you have fire powers, right? And they, a lot of that was like behind, like he had a lot of, you know, passive buffs and shit that would, you know, were fire themed. But you're like, no, you should be able to shoot fire yeah. in like four different ways, my guy, or five different ways. And, and, and the, th- the thing that's really frustrating when you talk about that in like game design is that Typically speaking, a lot of characters who are quote-unquote fire characters aren't really fire characters. They're actually more built around, like, one specific uh, view of fire or one fiery thing. Um, uh, only characters like the Human Torch are really fire characters. And when you make the Human Torch in a video game, just the sheer quantity of stuff he does with fire means that it's very hard to design an interface that can cover all of it. Mm-hmm. Which, interestingly, again, City of Heroes did. If you wanted to make a character who was like Iceman or like um, Johnny Storm in the purest possible way, you made a Dominator or a Blaster, just because they, you know, that gave you almost every single thing. What's interesting about that, right, is, so, I do come back in Champions every now and then, because way back when I got a, a couple, like, I think sometime last year I got a free sub, I mean, not a free sub, a lifetime sub, at a discount, they had a sale, and I was like, yeah, fuck it. Oh, nice. I'll come back and forth to this every once in a while. And I went back this week because they have an event and I wanted invisible weapons. Long story. Um, no, no, no. I'm not going to give you any guff for your love of strange invisible weaponry. It, it, it opens up creation options, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not weird. You're not weird <laughs> at all. This definitely anyway. was a good use of your money and time. Yeah. Remember so, what I said about when I sound supportive, I actually <laughs> sound really sarcastic? I'm really worried that's how that's coming across now. <laughs> anyway, so... The- <laughs> Playing that, playing DCO, and playing City of Heroes back in the day, one of the things, like, you get, you get, like, a sense when you're giving each of them their fair shake of, like, what they do good and what they do bad. The uh, Chaps does a fantastic job of, like, tech and magic concepts. Um, but, uh, City of Heroes did a fantastic job of representing, like, generalized elemental and, like, force-based powers. Because you say, I want to make an energy character. City of Heroes then says, what kind? You say, to champs, I want to make energy character, and he goes, "Here's the ten abilities they have." Like, well, but I meant more like energy punches. Yeah, we don't have that. Maybe more like energy healing. We don't do that either. You know? Yeah. It, it took. Whereas the city heroes, it's like you know, do you want to blast the energy? Do you want to punch the energy? Do you want to control with the energy? Do you want to do which? Which of these two do you want to do? Do you want to make like force fields and shit? We can do force fields and shit. Right. That's a- Opening up the coat. We got the we got the real dank powers here. But it was interesting. None of these games did, like, in my opinion, like fighting, punching, real well. Yeah. As a concept, because like, okay, all of them, all three of them did the exact same thing, right? They they launched with two hit things with your hands powers. One was mm-hmm. martial arts, 
and it's kung fu kicks and flips. It's very taekwondo, very acrobatic, right? And then it was super strength, and it's big, heavy punches, ground pounds, thunderclaps, throw rocks, right? Exact yeah. same thing. All three of them did the exact same thing for those two powers. But like, it's, it's, it is almost like these things are drawing upon a large corpus of existing work and there's everyone has a recognizable vision of what it should be, Clay. Oh, everybody has a recognizable vision of what martial arts should be? Is that why everybody wanted street justice forever? Mm, I, you, you know, my personal beef with street justice and this is an old fight not oh, worth no. having again. No, no, no. I have a beef with street justice too. That's not my point. Point is, if I say my character, fights, I'm just saying he's wrong. I, I go on. I, I love. I hate that I love street justice. And there's a whole thing about that. <laughs> so, so point. let's give a little bit of context for people. All right. Um, City of Heroes had uh, a power set that was introduced right towards the end called Street Justice. It was we had it for about. I want to say we had it for about a year. So just long enough. That people could really, really get used to it because it was really fun to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave it to four different types of characters. They all played differently and they all played excellently. A street justice tank did not feel the same as a street justice scrapper. And the street and- justice brute was better than everybody, so. <laughs> uh, did, did you ever, um, did you ever hear that the math on, on crushing uppercut? So, okay. So here's another example of a thing. Um, uh, the 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 street justice uh cr- had a combo system so you built up levels every time you punched someone with an ordinary punch you built up a combo level and then when you had like three combo levels i think it was three you mm-hmm. could punch someone with one of your special finishing moves and it would have like extra effect so it had it, it built in a sort of game rhythm to it um and one of the types of characters who got street justice was a stalker stalkers were by default stealth all the time they were they were invisible um if you could get a fully combo level um crushing uppercut from hide, so therefore automatically critically hit. Well, couldn't your couldn't your build up couldn't build up automatically get you um Uh not for uh, a stalker. Not for a stalker. Build up didn't automatically build combo for stalkers, didn't it? Do that yeah. for kinetic melee? I uh I my memory of how stalkers worked, and I've got the Paragon Wiki open here, so five-year-old game information we are arguing about here man but um the the paragon sorry the the stalkers all had a unified build-up which meant they all missed out on any of the weird extra versions of build-up you got like scrapper build scrapper build-up in and this is and this actually made them slightly better because it meant that they got a full powered build-up when they fired off crushing uppercut out of out of hide which meant that that's the thing like stalkers actually beat brutes on single target this thing needs to die right now damage where they had street justice and as a designer that's the kind of thing you like pray to make happen i've got four character classes that all have the same basic power sets and yet they all feel wildly different with this one set of mechanisms that's freaking amazing but some people (laughs) Uh, yeah, Fox argued must feel that some kind of way about Street Justice, didn't she? Fox <laughs> loved Street Justice. Yeah, because so that was Backbeat, uh, wasn't she? Like Energy Melee for a long time, and then Street Justice. Yeah, came Back out? Backbeat was an Energy Melee character because it meant she had a pair of like big, heavy, uh, over the over the like hand over hand kind of heavy fist punches hey, going hey, on, hey, hey, and hey, then Street hey. Justice came out. <laughs> Remember that thing I was saying about how the broad dichotomy between 
Hulk and Kung Fu Man left a lot in between. Yeah. People yeah. were making up shit about why their hands were yep. glowing bright red because they wanted some. Yep. <laughs> you see, this is my yep. point. Because, like, here's the thing. Martial arts... <laughs> Martial arts we as, have the time. as represented in these games and super strength as represented in these games are not like two polar opposites. They're just two random spikes in various different directions. And there's a lot of shit that's missing in between. There's like super speed stuff. If you want to be the flash and actually be doing flash things, you have limited options in that space. Hell, if you want to be so yeah. like, yeah, um, if you want to be saber tooth and scratch and bite people. You're missing out. That didn't, you know, that didn't even make it into the game. And there's a lot of variations of hitting this person with my hands that are lost when you just have acrobatic flip kicks and super strong, like, thunder punches. Because there's, those are just basically two different things. Though I will say, the reason both Champions Online and City of Heroes had very similar super strength mechanics is because... Same guy. Superman is a hundred years old. Right? Not, I'm not. But I'm, I'm not arguing against that. What I'm arguing against is those being the primary options to go for it when you start. Like if I was to start in that position, I wouldn't. Honestly, this is sound weird. I wouldn't launch a superhero game with super strength or martial arts in it to, to begin with. Right? I'd start with something more broad that could fill a lot of those slots, so that. Like, something almost like Captain America style of fighting, where you have a couple of big strong moves, a couple of, like, acrobatic moves, a couple of fast moves, and so you could use, like, half of the strong ones to make a super strong character. That way, when super strength comes out, it's very specific. When super speed comes out, it's very specific. Super agility, and then martial arts can be something way more broad, because, like, you're not just doing kung fu or capoeira or street fighting. You're representing the idea of superior combat skill. Because that's what the martial arts sets in these games are hypothetically supposed to represent. Superhuman skill. Not necessarily superhuman physical ability, because that's strength, that's speed, that's agility. That you're, like... Yeah, we have a metaphor for that already. It's like like one of those, like, Japanese power grid, like, uh, pentagon type things, where there's, like, strength, speed, agility, and skill. And, you know... You pick an area that you branch out in, but if you just think like. Oh, and by the way, hmm? if you think if you think that this particular puzzle is hard to solve in designing a video game, <laughs> wait till you hear about how tabletop games have have tried to solve this shit. Yeah, like mutants and masterminds and champions and uh, what's what's some of the other stuff? Now we've got um, you Fate. Honestly, Fate does a pretty good job of being a superhero system. <laughs> Because that boils it down to, like, what's your superhero power? Beating Lex Luthor. All right, we'll, we'll make that the thing. So when the story is about beating Lex Luthor, you've got an edge. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not actually trying to make fun there. That's actually something that Fate's pretty good at. Hmm. I, I, we were trying to get, it's like, so we've talked about, like, the point buying systems. And, <laughs> excuse me. Yep. And, like, Freedom Force has really involved character creation system mm-hmm. built on that idea. You can, for example, take blindness as attribute, and that makes your character has more points to spend in other things, you know? Or yeah. you can take some fucking ridiculous attributes, like blows up randomly sometimes. Manbot had that shit. Yeah. Manbot was amazing, so I took him on everything, but also sometimes he would just blow the fuck up. <laughs> so so uh, the point-based system is a is, is a kind of one of those ner- extremely nerdy, extremely 
like, rudimentary Babby's first game design ideas. And it's almost always a bad one. Like, in, in, in pure game design terms, uh, point buy seems like something you're like, oh, hang on, you just, you just make it so that you, you can buy any powers you like, and then you make it so some powers cost more than other powers, and that's easy, you can balance all that, that works out so well, and that's why you get game systems like Mutants and Masterminds, 3rd Edition, or Big Eyes Small Mouth. And if you don't know how Big Eyes Small Mouth works, you are, you are blessed, it is a, it is a, a system with some game? problems. Uh, is that the actual <laughs> name or is that like a nickname? Its name is Big Eyes Small Mouth. Okay. It is for anime role playing. Ah, ah. <laughs> you died a little inside, didn't you? <laughs> it, it is. So, so Big Eyes Small Mouth actually has a section, uh, in their, in one of their expansion books that's about playing Pokemon. Uh, and it uses the same basic idea of like, you get a pool of points and you spend those points on giving your monster abilities. And the nature of these things, the nature of point by systems is one where you are trying to make a whole bunch of intangible things of, of uncertain equivalent value into effectively a currency that you can actually exchange and trade on a meaningful level. Mm -hmm. And this means that like, you either get a system that is so tightly clamped down, there's no real avenue to express your character individually. Or, on the, on the worst front, you get a system that's so permissive that you wind up with people making accidentally bonkers characters. Uh, so when I first started playing, uh, role-playing games, one of the first games I played was Big Eye Small Mouth. And the very first thing that happened is I got handed the character guide. I got handed the the rule book and told, wow, "Yeah, you just build a character out of this." Manga looking motherfuckers. Oh my god. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's by a guy called Oakum. Who a lot of the art is by a guy called Oakum, who does indeed do how to draw manga books. And um, Fox has Fox has opinions on this. Fox has opinions on the idea of Oakum getting work uh, <laughs> for anything involving art, but uh, specifically the uh, the the Besom art style is uh, especially a problem for. But, uh, yeah, so this game, I got handed my very first character, got, got handed the, the rule book and said, look, we're playing like a superhero, uh, kind of, kind of a trigony tension thing. Sorry, ten, uh, Tenshi Moyo thing. Mm-hmm. So just make a character and, and, and just see what you can make. And the very first character I make, this is literally my very first role playing game character I've ever no made. Secrets. I am not at this point an expert, right? All right. I made a character who was a fairly unassuming space cop who this had a pet, pet naked on stream, jaguar, <laughs> a pet jaguar that could transform into a gun that could blow up the moon. Okay, and so- not like, not like you know, how, well, you know, this is that very narrow application of just being able to blow up moons. It's no, this this did enough damage that it could always hit the moon and always destroy it. Isn't there some and anime the character. about a guy with a gun with, like, nine settings and he only used setting one? <laughs> That's probably probably not a bad example to draw from. But, yeah, it, and this is the thing with point-based systems. And I bring up Big Eye Small Mouth mostly to make fun of it because it's terrible and I like making fun of it. But also because the idea of making superheroes out of points is really awkward because, like, first things first, just... Some characters have more points than others if you do use a kind of like linear point system. Like Superman. Like I'm I'm not I'm not even trying to like be like assume all his powers are roughly the same level of power as as one another, right? Yeah. 
uh, like assume he is as strong as he is smart and as he is fast and 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 he is good. That's still so much stuff. He's got the flying and the laser eyes and he's got the frost breath and he's got all sorts of other things and the you know, he's got the fortress of solitude which some systems would make you pay for as well and it's just he's just so very much stuff and you don't really have any way in the game to represent that in a level that's comparable with someone who wants to play, you know, speedy. And the thing is there is a there is a secondary thought that says like you shouldn't make a game where where someone can make a character that sucks. And that's that's actually a a game design position I do hold to as a as a designer when it comes to tabletop games. It should be very hard for a player to sit down at the table and accidentally suck. Ah. All right? That's the that's the aim of balance. But in a superhero game, especially if you want like really wildly expressive power design, you kind of don't have an alternative. You've got to give people the room to be crap because not all powers are created equal and some of them are, some of them are way less equal than others. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is that conversation we used to have, like, in City Heroes where, you know, I'd get grumpy because, like, yo, I want my small characters to stay small, but, like, I eventually have to go punch a death god. And I'm like, yeah. I, I know I want to punch drug dealers over and over. Like, nah, you're yeah. too big for that. Like, fuck you. I have punching and kicking as my main powers. I am always exactly big enough to fight, to fight a drug dealer. Like, yeah, but you just punched the death uh, god. Like, y'all made me punch the death god. I didn't want to be there. Do you remember, um, do you remember Tomantin? Hmm? Oh, yeah. Played Shrike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was just like a martial arts, like, he was natural. Like, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. He was very much in your same viewpoint, uh, though he had a bit more of a Batman policy of, like, yeah, Shrike can go beat up the Death God, but he needs to, like, get the toys together to do it, and he needs to be prepared. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that right towards the end that Shrike and I were doing, uh, because I had made, uh, Jusan, the, the, basically the Nightwing character, uh, is we were doing Dark Astoria crossover events where what we were doing was playing, we, we would find a friend who had a really powerful but dumb character or very powerful but, like, not genre appropriate and we would have like this whole thing of like yeah we're we're in dark astoria using her power to rescue someone else like so we we would like frame a whole role-playing circuitry of stuff around just why are these two guys who are basically just dudes like why are they running around in the in the armpit of a death god and Mm -hmm. fighting it and winning Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's that's part of where like Again, that's the cool idea of where video games can put your put you in a mindset of, and you almost you almost wish like some writers could take the characters like that they're gonna use in a plot and like run that plot through like an AE mission. Like, all right, how does this mm. actually? How does this look when you do it? All right, do you find yourself some problems? Okay, like ah, God, like the world is missing out on not having AE out there for people to be able to use because like for fuck's sake <laughs> yeah 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 like there so to to further explain that what clay's talking about is architect entertainment city of heroes introduced the ability to write your own missions in the mmo upload them to a central server and then you and other players could go and just do them and they gave you XP, and they gave you like rewards, and they they were it like was the game. they were absolutely playing the game. You were making yeah, game it was content. Ju- you were making new content for the game, and it at the time 
when they announced that they were going to do this. I was one of many people saying, this is bonkers. It won't work. Run away. Run away where you can. Or or in my case, more specifically, I was saying, this won't be what you're hoping it is. There's no way they'd actually give us what we want. And then they did. And I was like, well, shut my pretty little mouth. I mean, and it had problems, but like, for fuck's sake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was exploitable as hell. And, and of course, we did also exploit it. <laughs> we were not without sin. But like, for fuck's sake, again, like we've mentioned this in the, like, City Heroes episode, like, there, there were super groups who, there were like two or three or one or two people who were like, no, I just make the plot, I make the stories for the team, that's what I do. And- yeah. And, and their characters were like these level one characters who never had, like, in, in universe, they were like the oracle of their super group. Because they, they could actually do something with that. They could actually just never level up and instead play the game in a different way. Uh, and that's, that is really weird. That is not standard model for MMO behavior. But that, that's, again, like, you can, if you, like, have a game that you can play to put into context these superhero powers and these ideas, that is a useful, like, exercise for what you're gonna make your character do and a, storytelling context because you're like well could i do that you know if i pick up arkham city and go do some batman shit if i can't accomplish that feat then maybe batman shouldn't which is also why maybe don't yeah. let batman do crazy shit in video games but yeah but also like when when you've got a video game doing all the heavy lifting of playing the game and doing the system stuff for you it does make that question of like hang on how am I handling- how is he accommodating this and how am I accommodating this? Mm-hmm. Like, the game is doing 90% of the work of punching a dude in the head and you're finding it too complicated to just pick out 12 targets in a room. Right. Like, that is a really good example right there of the kind of uh, empathic, empathic learning you can do via games. And it's something that you wouldn't necessarily have gotten from another source. Yeah. It- Says he, letting his you know, academic hat fall upon his head. <laughs> that it's that the thing it, it, it makes things way more tangible than like again it's 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 fucking games you touch it you feel it you do it and that makes it realer than just about anything else because you're yeah. you're forced to like face the, like the realities of it you're in a room with 50 the, guys uh, with guns you're gonna die so by the way the the academic concept there uh is often referred to by one of two names uh, if you're particularly melodramatic and you want to cite Marshall McLuhan, it's referred to as auto-amputation, where the engagement with media limits your ability to perceive yourself anymore. Like, you are willingly removing a part of yourself to make it part of the game. Uh, that's, that's again, awfully dramatic. Uh, the other term that you might hear used is abnegation, which is what we use when we're talking about user interface, where the ability to uh, let your own boundary of self melt away becomes a thing I've, I've talked about that in the past you know you you don't turn the you don't say i turn the wheel to turn the car you say i turned left mm-hmm. and sometimes the car keeps going right it's happening my car yep. <sighs> so yeah we there's there is a lot of problems with that kind of thing in the superhero setting and as a card game designer i actually like the puzzle of how to make superhero games in cards is still like quietly plaguing me because we have like one really high profile version that some people really like and I kind of hate. Um uh, that's um which one is that? That's the Sentinels of the Multiverse. You know, which, I I picked up the Not like, a word of a lie. Mobile if, version if of you that. Like it. And I got like bored yeah. so quick. <laughs> I was like Yeah, but 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 I just want to say like I know because I'm technically a competitor in this field, 
I don't want to be sitting here going, well, this game that's made by someone who isn't me is shit. I, I just genuinely don't like it very much, and I don't want my games to be like that. But that's not to say that anyone who does like it is wrong or bad or anything like that. Okay? One of the things that kind of appealed to me of the um, idea of, like, a superhero character card game was, um... Yeah. So as I'm playing Champs, right, I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, this game is kind of, like, it's like two people developing it at this point. And, like, it's going to go God away. God bless him. It's going to go away. That's how MMOs are. You know, I've, I've, I had that heartbreak already. I know what that is. And I'm sitting here like, yeah. man, you know, I like some of these ideas I've made. I'd like to like have something of them, you know, some art or like an object. And the idea of like a deck of cards and like each card is a point of data about that character. And if I lay them all out, it tells their whole story in like a tangible way. Like it's fascinating mm. to me. Like I could, hypothetically give you a mobilized deck and you could go to a table over there and be mobilized and it's almost like writing you know uh fucking like superhero comics where another writer will come on and take over and if you've written the character strongly enough they remain consistent that deck of cards is literally the toolkit of storytelling you've already set up right it's and and for what it's worth I'm not going to bore the podcast with, like, my specific thoughts on actually making this kind of deck and, like, you know, making these kinds of games and wanting to make you, you know, make a thing that would make you happy. But suffice to say, this is a problem I have dedicated thought to, all right? So, (laughs) you you are definitely on the track that I would consider the right one, and I have made some card games, so I'm not entirely (laughs) full of crap on that front. (laughs) Yeah, no, but that's a cool idea, and- That's actually one of the things about the Sentinels of the Multiverse that kind of shits me. Um, because the Sentinels in the multiverse lets you, lets you build a deck to build a character. And that, that right there, that, that is brilliant. A deck, deck builders are a great type of game. They let you personalize and individualize your play experience every time. So you can make it so, well, look, I don't, I, I'm not the kind of player who ever wants to throw lightning bolts. So I didn't put any lightning bolts in my deck. That's perfect. That is absolutely a great idea. But then Sentinels of the Multiverse says, okay, here is the, the deck that is Thud. And Thud is our version of the thing. And yeah. that's, that's how simple we are. We are going and making classic versions of existing superheroes and we are just quietly filing the numbers off. And hopefully you like what, and you know, hopefully you find one that you like in our generic versions of existing superheroes. And if you like it, you can, you can play their deck. You can't make your, you can't make a mobilized deck. You can make a, a deck of your own cards of your own character. Sorry, you can make a deck of our character and you can choose how that character plays, but you can't make mobilize. And that's the cool thing about Freedom Force, right? Now, A, I liked Freedom Force's approach to the idea of like homage characters. Cause like Minuteman, you look at him and like, well, that's a Captain America, but also he's, like, not. He's clearly his own thing. The ant. Oh, well, that's clearly Spider-Man, but also not. Like, it's, they, they, they clearly, they're, they wear their influence on their sleeve. It's very, you know, 70s Kirby, but it's also clearly its own thing in a way that you're not going to see. And I can't think of much anything else. I mean, those are my favorite kind of characters to spot in, like, Champions and City Heroes, where I could just be walking around. I can see a guy and I'm like, all right, that's a, f- I used to walk up to speedsters who didn't have lightning on their costume and clap every fucking time. Like, hello, yep. you, you, you have ideas. You have other metaphors for speed. Congratulations. Yeah. You want some and not only you have other metaphors for speed, but you have other than the metaphor for speed that took over the damn industry. Yeah. 
good for you. Come here. You want stuff? Have a bunch of stuff. Here. Let me just throw things at you. Like, I especially, I especially liked in those cases the, uh, the, the, sorry, the quandary of the speedster is made worse because they also all had almost all the same personality. <laughs> they were almost all the same dick invented by reading Sean Baby of going, hey, wouldn't the Flash be like aggravated all the time because everything is so slow? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, okay, great, great. Yep, yep, yep. We got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. Now actually living with and interacting with that character as a person is a unutterable chore. Thanks. Yep. You, you, you got, you sure got superhero comics there with that one. You got them. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, again, that's the thing with that too. I, mean, I, I have issues. I have unresolved issues with this stuff. <laughs> it's like almost every, almost every time someone made a version of the Hulk, they were bad. <laughs> yeah, but you, you got strong feelings about that, don't you? I, Look, look, uh, and this is, this is the thing about comic books and com- thing about superheroes. I am a person who struggles with debilitating violent rage. Like, I, I know that's like, it's, it's, it's actually a joke at this point. It really is a joke of, hey, it's a nerdy guy who likes comic books who gets angry over nothing. That's like a persona that's now a stock character in like media criticism. But it, it's actually like a debilitating social problem. And the fact that I'm able to function is, is actually a work of effort. So you're fucking right. I treat the Hulk more personally than I should. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a hero struggling with overcoming parentally abuse induced violent rage. You're damn right. I think that's worth getting right. How do you feel about that, uh, new Hulk that's about to come out? Which is, uh, uh, the immortal still Hulk. Amadeus or? No, like, Bruce Banner's coming back, but now his gimmick is, like, he's con- he dies all the time and comes back as the Hulk and fucks things up. They're, they're I, like- I actually kind of like that. I, I actually do kind of like that, because that, um, that makes the loss of control even more of a clear thing. Yeah. And, you know, now I'm back- now I'm back to thinking about World War Hulk and the- and that oh shit moment for, uh, for Doc Strange, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, when- when I- talking about designing a superhero game the thing the thing that's really challenging is i want to give you the ability to express a superhero in a way that feels like a superhero and feels like your superhero these are these are not small problems and video games can usually get closer to it just because they have more options but like city of heroes was one of the most expressively different role-playing games that existed and it still struggled like there were still characters we had some of whom were kind of generic, who were extremely hard to represent in-game. Hey, okay, you want to make Superman? Okay, tanker or brute? Pick one. Okay, uh, super strength and vulnerability. Good. Flight, And good. your patron power is already taken because you've got to take energy eyes. Right? Either, either You either have laser vision or cold breath. Pick one. Just one. Yep, not both. And there is no representation and, and, and by of the, the way, idea of x-ray vision at all. There's nothing for that. And those powers, by the way, will also kind of suck just because you're also already to just make the game fun. You're going to be a, a, a really good at punching stuff and really good at area effect damage and just really hard to kill. And it's all going to be really cool and fun. So you're going to have your frozen, you're going to have your frost breath and everything and be like, Oh, why do I bother? (laughs) Like, are these actually good? I don't know. Why would I? And then there's the whole aspect of like, characters with very specific, like, unique powers that are, like, hyper- Again, like, I always imagine that Mobilize never actually directly damaged objects. He moved them and caused them to damage themselves. You know, but it wasn't, like, Mm. telekinesis. But, like, 
play the game, he punches things with energy. He smacks them with energy. So it's like, yeah, like I, he can't cause things to move. I can't do what I always felt he would do, which is walk into a room, touch every object, walk out, snap his fingers, and all the objects just fly into the center. Like, he couldn't do that. You know? I mean, if they had kinetic assault, he might have been a dominator, but... Eh. Yeah, he well, that's, been that's a, life. He would have been a grav kinetic dominator, but whatever. But no, like, that... There's a lot of shit. Like, your game is not gonna encompass every... Like, for fuck's sake, Storm. Storm almost needs her own game to really work well. But at the same time, yeah. she's Storm. She's a member of the X-Men. So she reasonably would be in a game that also has to accommodate for, like, an, a, a fairly accurate representation of uh, Cyclops and, Sto- and uh, Wolverine and Nightcrawler. And so a game that can do them well enough to be mm. fair is probably going to suffer for Storm. On the flip side, a game that's really good for Storm, like, what, like how 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 is a game that's built around representing Storm represent Nightcrawler, you know? Indeed, I uh, I actually am of the opinion that Dishonored uh, DLC one, uh, the Knife of Dunwall, is the best way to mechanically represent Nightcrawler, because when you press the teleport button, everything stops, like you're held in space and time, like time stops while you choose where you land, which is to say, from the perspective of like the game, from the perspective of the universe. The blinks can be incredibly complicated and take no time whatsoever. Whereas, from the perspective of the player, it's not like, oh no, you have to be just as good at blinking as Nightcrawler is, or fuck you. Mm, I don't know. I kind of like, again, like, uh, Nightcrawler's teleporting in X-Men Legends was pretty basic, but what they also did was they had, like, advanced teleporting powers you could just hit. Like, he had a regular teleport, and you hit it, and if he was targeting someone, he'd appear behind them and hit them, right? If you hit it, like, yeah. normally, he would just teleport forward X distance. Uh, and at that point, you're basically treating it like a stealth power, though. Yep, but he also had a teleport attack, which would just, you hit it, you teleport three or four times around the room and hit three, four different people, and then teleport back to his starting position. Yeah. So you'd, bo- you'd bounce back and forth between those abilities, you know? And that's okay. And by the way, none of, none of these things, just because I personally find them satisfying or unsatisfying, are bad mechanics. Do, do not let that... Please do not let me give you the impression that I think the, these mechanics are necessarily bad because I personally find them under-interesting. Oh, I have to tell you about this because I've seen it and I really want to play it. Have you ever heard of Mr. Shifty? Yes, I have Mr. Shifty. It's quite good. It's really quite good at being nightcrawler in a sort of hotline Miami way. That's why I was like, oh man, I have to see how- Either he already knows about it and it's like, you know, triple platinum achievements or he'll love it. <laughs> to be fair- uh, there was a time for a period there where all my friends were like, oh, this game's like Hotline Miami, I'll buy it for Talon, it's ten bucks. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> and, yes, I've double platinumed Hotline Miami. Anyway, so- <laughs> so, And I'm just like, that, there is a lot of shit about teleportation <laughs> that, that requires a game built around it. Like- Hulk Ultimate Destruction was the best super strength game I've ever played. Because one of the things about that game, like it's obviously your Hulk. You can punch anything. You can go, it's an open world experience. And that's a whole other conversation. But yep. you could pick up just about anything and turn it into something else by ripping it or smashing it or pushing it. or contr- Like you can pick a car. This is the basic one. Pick a car, rip it in half, smash it together. Now you have car boxing gloves. You could 
pick up a truck and like flatten it, and now it's a shield slash surfboard slash frisbee slash melee device because you're the Hulk. You you are so strong you can use your hands to interact with anything in any way you want to. Like again, that's the four move rule. Hulk can punch real hard. He can lift heavy things, and he can also do everything else with his hands. It- the thing I like about the four move rule when it comes to Hulk is. When I first explained how Hulk got around to Fox, she said that that was bullshit. Like, she couldn't see how being really, really strong would make you jump really, really well. You have strong legs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but in, in a lot of characters' cases, why can they fly is usually, like, uh, it, indeed, one of the reasons is because Superman flies. Mm-hmm. And you gotta, you know, you gotta keep up with the Joneses. Uh, or the Johns Joneses. Or the Jeffs. Jeff yeah, um, so that that whole, like, oeuvre of superhero design is in a lot of cases got some follow-the-leader stuff to it, but I love that the Hulk has the way that Hulk gets around, solves problems, and uh, accommodates, you know, and survives all tying neatly together in the same core package. It makes him a very good mechanically representable thing. Like, when, when you explain how his powers work it, and then show people mechanical ways that expresses, they almost always grok it really easily. Yeah. And you know when you've designed a mechanic that's not very hulky. Yeah, like, again, uh, uh, Hulk builds meter because Hulk is mad, right? If you were to say, like, okay, now Hulk, grab this thing and set it on fire, you'd be like, wait, hold on now. Like, <laughs> Busy. Like, like, use your, you know, like, even if you could, like, twist it into some kind of weird Hulk, where, like, you know, irradiate it with gamma so it catches on fire. Like, hold on, Hulk don't do that. Red Hulk does that. This is actually one of the, this is actually one of the reasons why I feel that, um, the, the, uh, classic Age of Adventure Tom Strong type is underserved in, in, uh, a lot of attempts to redo your own superhero universes, because, like, you, they're a type of character where you can basically blur together Superman, Batman, and Iron Man and do it in a way that isn't being done a million other ways. And I don't know whether you don't get more of that. Mm. I mean, that's what I like. Like, totally. you know, I, I just, why, why are you super strong? Because I discovered the Fountain of Youth. Oh, okay. That's also like the type of story being told by the gameplay. This particular well of conversation about superheroes and video games is a deep one. And, uh, I want to come back to it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I have to edit this audio. And if we just keep going until we run out of things to talk out, I'm going to have a six hour file and I'm going to be asleep for the last 45 minutes of it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm um, folks, <laughs> there is way, like, it's fucking games. It's fucking superhero. This is an infinite topic. And I, we haven't even discussed issues of like movement and the types of games and like, should you actually be making that genre of game for this character? And on and on. And, you know, maybe we'll make a game of it, of deciding when we're going to discuss this issue. But. Yeah. And indeed, if you want, if you want us to delve deep into a particular thing, or indeed, if you want to hear me talk about how I'm trying to design, like the puzzle of designing uh, a superhero card game, please at us. <laughs> it's, yeah, for sure. And, you know, if you've got some, as always, if you've got some good recommendations for games, because there's some stuff that I want to touch and have it, I want to do that, uh, uh, shut up. I want to try that, that, that Xbox era Ghost Rider game, and not just because it has Blade in it, because what I've seen of it, <laughs> what I've seen of it looks like the best representation of that character ever. I want to try that Wolverine game. 
I have Superman Returns, and I've never touched it because my PlayStation died. There's a lot of shit yeah. there that... <laughs> uh, I have Prototype. I haven't tried Infamous, and I've heard nothing but good things about that. So let us know. I, I in fact, have... Uh, I've tried Prototype, and I have thoughts on Prototype, and I have thoughts on Infamous. I've played Prototype, but I've never beaten it, and I don't really feel like I need to either. I feel like I, can, I, feel like I experienced <laughs> what it had to offer. <laughs> anyway, as ever always, that was From the Rooftops, a podcast about superheroes. That was Clay. And that was Talon. And we've already mentioned Blade and Ghost Rider in the same game. They they got him again. They got him again. Yeah. <laughs> no, that game looks awesome. It looks like a God of War clone, but good. Mixed with, like, Legend of Korra. Like the dog riding scenes. But, like... Oh, nice. Yeah, see? Like sometimes it's okay to copy some shit if it was the right thing to copy for that character. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, th- and uh, no, 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 we're stopping. We're not going to keep going. <laughs> I'm pressing the stop button. All right, everybody, we're out of here. That problem when you have two preachers' sons sitting by a door, not knowing who gets to, who has to go through first. Yo, like, buddy, Chris you. used to get so mad at me for that. Like, oh God, yeah, that. stop that! Just go through the door. <laughs> yeah.